turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. And for the next few moments, I am going to talk about the one thing that will change your life. The one thing that will determine whether or not you're going to be a winner or a loser. Whether you're going to be fruitful or you're going to be barren. Whether you're going to be discouraged or fearless. Whether you're going to be happy or you're going to be miserable. Whether you're going to have a peace-filled life or a fear-filled life. Listen to me. This one thing will help you to kill the giants in your life. This one thing will help you to tear down the walls in your life. This one thing will help you to deal with adversity in your life like nothing else. The Bible is filled with stories from Genesis all the way to Revelation of people who possessed it. Without it, listen to me, you will never succeed. Without it, you will never overcome obstacles in your life. Without it, you will never defeat the personal giants in your life. Without it, you'll never defy odds in your life. Without it, you will not make it to the end of your race. Abraham had it, Moses had it, Joseph had it, David had it, and Jesus absolutely had it. What is it? It's a winning attitude. Everybody say a winning attitude. Everybody say a winning attitude. Now listen to me. If you're a young person in this room, I want you to sit up. This will be the most important message you'll ever hear in your life. I promise you, beside the gospel, this will be the most important message you will ever hear. Now some people say attitude is everything. That's not true. God is everything. Jesus is everything. The Holy Spirit is everything. But attitude comes close. Attitude is second to all of that. Attitude, your attitude will determine everything in your life. Your attitude will determine your future in your life. Make no mistake, your attitude isn't everything. But I want you to know today that if you have the right attitude, you'll live in peace. If you have the right attitude, you'll live in joy. If you have the right attitude, you'll live in power, success, and fulfillment, and fruitfulness, and productivity, and blessing, and strength, and courage, and stability. You will be a winner if you possess a winning attitude. In fact, the truth is, the only difference in most people's lives isn't money, it's not opportunity, it's not comfort, it's not talent and ability, it's not where you came from, it's not the home that you live in. Listen to me, I know a lot of people in this church, and I want you to know how proud I am of you. I know people in this church that came from very difficult situations. Sit up everybody, look at me young people. I know people who actually came from difficult situations. They came from countries where they were poor. They came from countries where there was violence, but they came to America and they suddenly found out when they came to America that the streets are not gold and it's difficult and it's hard to live in America, but they were determined to get their education. They were determined to work hard. They were determined to be a winner and not a loser. Why? Because they had a great attitude. They had a winning attitude. And I'm telling you, there are people in this room today, I'm so proud of you because you've got a winning attitude and you don't know what it means to lose. You know that you're the head and not the tail. You know that you're blessed. You know that God's got a plan for your life. You know that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You're a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner because you've got the right attitude. Now let me tell you, there's a lot of people in the Bible that impress me. But when it comes to real life, and I'm, I know the Bible is real life back then, but when it comes to now life, the person that impresses me the most when it comes to attitude is my own mother. My mother taught me about having a great attitude. Now let me tell you a little bit about my story if you don't know it. 
My dad died when I was four years old. My mom was 18 years old when she got married. Don't try it at home. She came off the boat from Italy, didn't, didn't even know how to speak English. She didn't graduate beyond junior high. My mom got married when she was 18 years old. By the time she was 28 years old, my dad had died. And we were four children, eight, seven, five, and six months old. And my mother was the one who taught me how to have a, a winning attitude. My mother modeled for me what it was that when you get knocked down, you get back up again. My mom modeled for me what it was to trust God with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. My mom modeled for me what it was like in the midst of the hardest situations in your life, God still has a reason for every season in your life, and God has a plan for your life, and it's big. Let me tell you what happened. My mom got remarried 10 years later. Two years after they got married, he died. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I will never in my life forget this day. We were at the funeral parlor. My mom didn't let a day go by. She pulled us all together, all four of us, and she looked at us straight in our eyes, and she said to us, I want you to know one thing. This is in the funeral parlor. She said, God tells us that we're to trust him with all of our heart and not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways to acknowledge him and he'll make our path straight. She looked at me and said, there's a reason for every season in our life and we must trust God and obey God and love God and know that God has a good outcome. Let me tell you something. That was the day that changed my whole life. It changed the trajectory of my life because my mom taught me that it's all about attitude. It's all about how I have the ability to make the right choice to have the right attitude in my life. You see, the one thing that separates all winners from losers, the one thing that separates champions from quitters is a winning attitude. Pastor Chuck Swindoll, I love the dude, he says this, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude, to me, is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than, than failure, than success, than what other people think or say about me. It's more important than appearance. It's more important than giftedness and skill. It will make or break a company. It will make or break a church. It will make or break a family, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude that we will embrace for that day. We cannot change the past. We cannot change the fact that people will act a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string that we've been given, and that is our attitude. He said, I am convinced, listen to me, that 10% of our life is what happens to us, and 90% of our life is how we react to it. Wow. I want you to practice that with me. I want you to say 10% of my life. Did I come to the right church? I want you to say with me, 10% of my life 
There you go. You got it now. 10% of my life is what happens to me. And 90% is how I react to it. Say it one more time. 10% of my life is what happens to me. And 90% is what I do with it. I want you to write it down. I want you to put it on Facebook. I want you to say, I've always said. But I want you to write it down. In fact, I want to tell you something. When you come to church every Sunday, I want you to bring something with you. Bring a notebook. Bring a journal. You know why? Because you will forget 85% of everything I say today. 85%. Why are you coming to waste all that time? Think about it. If you're here for one hour, 85% of that hour you will forget. But if you write it down, you will remember. If you write it down, you'll look smart. So I want you to get in the habit of writing it down. Don't waste 85% of your time. You see, my mother taught me that, that I need to keep on trusting and believing. That I need to have a right attitude. And Paul the Apostle, listen to me. In Philippians chapter 2, he tells us, he says, make my joy complete. He says, make my joy complete. In Philippians, he's in prison. He's writing to the Philippians. He's in a Roman prison writing to the Philippians in prison. Listen to me. There are people that are in a physical prison that live more free than a people that live outside of prison. He was free on the inside. And this is what he said. He said, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. He said, again, I tell you, rejoice in the Lord. He said, I want you to make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same attitude that Jesus had. Listen, he said, I want you to have the same attitude. In fact, he says, I want you to have the same mindset. Everybody say mindset. Mindset equals attitude. Attitude equals mindset. He said, I want you to have the same mindset that Christ had. Doing what? He says, knowing that Christ had an attitude that was the right attitude. He had, listen to me, he had a secure attitude. Paul the Apostle says that Jesus, even though he was equal with God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, understood. He had a secure attitude. He didn't care what people thought about him. He knew who he was. And if we're going to be a winner, we've got to know who we are in Christ. Not in ourselves. We don't have a self-image. We have a Christ image. We're in Christ. Come on, somebody say amen. We're in Christ. We have become the righteousness of Christ. We're in Christ. We're loved. We're blessed. We're loved. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. We're a winner in Christ. Everybody say, I'm a winner in Christ. He was secure even when he was hanging on the cross. He was secure when people rejected him. He was secure. But not only was he secure, but he had a selfless attitude. Listen to me. If you have a selfless attitude, people will love you. Because you're not thinking about yourself. You're not consumed about your own problems. You use everything for the glory of God to help others. He was selfless. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself lower than the angel, taking on the form of a servant. Listen to me. He had a selfless attitude. Secure attitude. Everybody say secure. Selfless. Everybody say selfless. But he also had... An attitude by which he submitted to the Father. He had a submitted attitude. Why? Because the Bible says that he made himself lower than the angel, taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient unto death. He had a submissive spirit. He had a submissive attitude. And the truth is, if we're going to be winners, we've got to have an attitude like Jesus had. I, I want you to listen again, real close, 
closely. Really important. Chuck Swindoll said, I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a daily basis is my choice of my attitude. It's more important than my past, my education, my bankroll, my success or failure, fame or pain, what other people think of me or say about me, my circumstance or my position. Attitude keeps me going or cripples my progress. It alone fuels my fire or assaults my hope. When my attitude is right, there's no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenges too great for me. If you're a young person, say, I hear you, Pastor Steve. Oh, I heard all those old people that think they're young. I want you to write this down. Ready? Here it is. You ready, Mom? Write this down and give this to your son and daughter. The most, signific the most significant thing I can do is have the right attitude every day. The single most significant decision I can make today is my choice of attitude. I want you to say that with me. You ready? One, two, three. The single most significant decision I can make today is my choice of attitude. Come on, everybody say it again. The, the most significant decision I can make today is my choice of attitude. So what is attitude? Attitude is a composite of three things. Are you ready? Write this down. Attitude is a composite of three things. What you think, how you feel, and how you behave. What you think, how you feel, and how you behave. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so he is. You are the composition of what you think, feel, and how you behave. That's why the Bible tells us that we're, be, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our thinking, our mind. Amen? Our mind is a very powerful thing. And what we put into our mind, garbage in, garbage out. Good things in, good things out. It starts with the mind. So Paul the Apostle says your mind is so important. Peter says add to your faith knowledge. Knowledge is powerful. God said my people perish for their lack of knowledge. And so you've got to change the channel and begin to put good things in your mind. Young people, you need to get off of that thing, that thing, that thing, that thing. You know what I'm talking about, that thing. And you need to start reading. Dad, you need to take it away from them. Oh, but he's going to cry. No, you're going to cry. Take it away. And get them reading. Get them studying. Put good things in their mind. Be creative with them. Don't just throw them a book. Read the book to them. Learn together as a family. Show them. Model it yourself. See, they're going to pick up what you do. But you got to put it in your mind. As a man thinks, so he is. And then feelings. Listen to me. Jesus was really big on attitude. He really was. Notice that when he saw the religious people, they were doing the right thing with the wrong attitude, right? And so Jesus said this, he says, it's not what goes into you that defiles you, but it's what comes out of you that defiles you. Listen to me. In other words, he says this in the message, it says, it's not what you ingest, but it's what you vomit out. Mm, listen, your attitude will always betray you. Your attitude will always give you up. Oh, you could pretend like you love somebody, but if you've got a hateful attitude, it's going to come out. You're going to throw it up one day. Oh, you're going to stuff it. You're going to pretend, mm, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. If you got a bad attitude towards your wife, your husband, your kids, it's going to come out. You're going to vomit it out one day. Why? Because your attitude will always betray you. It will always show you who you really are. That's why Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, 
the mouth speaks. The Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it all of the issues of life flow. So the mind, the heart, the heart, the seat of your feeling, what you love, what you put first in your life. That's why Jesus says, love your, the Lord your God with all your heart. What you think, you feel, is how you behave, right? So your attitude is the composite of those three things. Thinking leads to feelings. Feeling leads to action. We do those things. Now somebody said this, your attitude is the advanced man of our true self. It always goes before us. Its roots are inward, but its fruits are always outward. It's our best friend or our worst enemy. It's much more honest and more consistent than our words. It's an outward look based on past experiences. It's something that, listen to me, draws people to us or repels people away from us. It's never, ever content until it expresses itself. It's the librarian of our past. It's the speaker of our present. It's the prophet of our future. Make no mistake, friends. Your attitude, look at me, young person. Your attitude will always determine your altitude. Now, let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever taken any kind of airplane flight lessons? Let me see your hands. Anybody ever try to take a plane lesson? Yeah. Well, on a plane, there's this thing called the altitude indicator. The altitude, it's a gauge. It's like a gas gauge. And the altitude indicator lets the pilot know how the plane's actually functioning. And a pilot is actually taught to look at the attitude indicator to make sure that while the pilot is going through difficult times, storms, or whatever, that he keeps his eye on that gauge. It's right in the middle. It's the most important gauge because it tells the pilot how the plane is doing. Listen to me. Your attitude is your attitude indicator to tell you how you're really doing as a believer. Come on, somebody. It will tell you. If you've got a bad attitude, there's something wrong with the plane. If you've got a bad attitude, you're going in the wrong direction. Listen to me. I've met people that didn't have a whole lot of anything. I've met other people that have had a whole lot of everything. I can tell you, you give me somebody that doesn't have a lot of talent, you give me somebody that is a C student, and I can guarantee you this, if they're committed, if they're courageous, the A student that doesn't have the ability to have the attitude that they really want, or maybe they just don't want to have that attitude, let me tell you, that a student's going to be working for the C student. Why? Because that C student doesn't need all that he thinks he needs. All he needs to do is have a good attitude. Come on, somebody, help me out. Come on, somebody, help me out today. So Paul tells us that we've got to make it a practice to readjust, sometimes change, but always, listen to me, renew our attitude. I want you to see in Ephesians chapter 4. What Paul the Apostle says about attitude. Look, look what he says. Ephesians 4.17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live like the Gentiles. In other words, you can't live like unbelievers. You got to live like a believer now. You got to live like a child of God. You got to think like a child of God. You got to behave like a child of God. He said, I don't want you to think like people who don't have faith. He says, because you as a child of God, you got to start living differently. you got to start behaving differently. You have to start thinking differently. You have to start feeling differently because that's your attitude. Listen to what he says. He said, I don't want you to live any longer like the Gentiles do in the futility of their what? Their thinking. Everybody say thinking. They have stinking thinking. They're darkened in their understanding. Notice, thinking, understanding. 
and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance. Listen, thinking, understanding, ignorance. My people perish for their lack of knowledge. That is in them due to the what? The hardening of what? Their heart. Thinking, feeling. Okay? Having lost all sensitivity in their heart, starts in the thinking, darkened, goes to the feeling, loses all sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, to their conscience, okay, Romans chapter 1, that, that they've been giving themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. He says, you, however, have not learned to live this way. Learn. When you heard about Christ, you were taught. Everybody say taught. In him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. That's why you need to come to Grow University. That's why you need to learn the word, learn the word. You were taught with regards to your former way of life to, listen, put off the old self. Listen to me. What does it mean to put off the old self? You put off the old thinking. You put off the old feeling. You put off the old living. And you put on new thinking. You put on new feeling. Why? Because thinking leads to feelings. And feelings lead to, um, obviously, to behavior. And so Paul says, and how do you do that? Listen to what he says. He says, you put on the new self by what? Being made new in the attitude. Everybody say the attitude of your mind. Say attitude of your mind. And put on the new self created to be like God in righteousness and in holiness, in separation. So Paul tells us your attitude is a composite of inward thinking that leads to inward feelings, that leads to outward actions. So Paul says if you want to be different, if you want to be a winner, you got to start thinking different, feeling different, and living different. I understand it's the work of the Spirit. But you've got to play a part in it. And how do you play a part in it? Well, John Maxwell in the book Winning Attitude, he gives us several things about character that we've got to take note. Number one, the first thing, I want you to write this down. Come on, write it down. First and foremost, our attitude determines how we approach life. Every day, every minute, every morning, our attitude will determine how we approach our day. I say it all the time. But when I get up in the morning, first thing I do, I get in the shower. And when I get in the shower, I say, thank you, Lord, for the hot water. I just gave you a mental picture. Forget about that picture. <laughs> God, thank you for the water, the hot water. And then the next thing I do, I'm in the shower. I thank God for my wife. Listen, you cannot be angry. You cannot be hateful. You can't take for granted the person you're thankful for. Truly thankful for. Lord, I thank you for my wife, Lord. I thank you that she loves me, Lord. I thank you that we've been married 20 or 36 years. Watch, watch out, watch out. Get that right. Get that right. Uh, take that out. Just cut that out. I thank you she cooks pasta fazul for me when I need it. Lord, I just thank you for my wife. I thank you for my daughter, Janine. I thank you for Julia. I thank you for Jenna. I thank you for Vinny, my son-in-law. I thank you, Matthew, for my son-in-law. I thank you for Kyrie. I thank you for Ellie. And I thank you for Jack Steven. You know who Jack Steven is? My little boy on the way. <laughs> you know, the name is Jack Steven. My new grandson on the way. You see, if you begin your day off, the first five minutes of your day, will so often determine the rest of the, your attitude for the rest of the day. So if you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is begin to thank God for all the things you have, you'll change your perspective. And you'll have a better attitude. Somebody once said, listen to what he said. 
I woke up early today, excited over all I get to do before the clock strikes midnight. Listen to me, young person. I have responsibilities to fulfill this day, and I'm important. My job is to choose what kind of day I'm going to have. Today, I can complain about the weather, that it's rainy, or I can be thankful that the grass is getting watered for free. Today, I can feel sad that I don't have money, or I can be glad that my finances encourage me to plan my purchases wisely and guide me away from waste. That's a twist on that one. Today, I can grumble about my health, or I can rejoice that I'm alive. Today, I can lament over the fact that my parents didn't give me everything that I needed when I was growing up, or I can be grateful that they allowed me to be born. Today, I can cry because roses have thorns, or I can celebrate the thorns have roses. Today, I can mourn my lack of friends, or I can excitedly embark upon a quest to discover new relationships. Today, I can whine because I have, I have to go to work, or I can shout for joy that I got a job. Today, I can complain because I have to go to school, or I can eagerly open my mind and fill it with rich tidbits of knowledge. Today, I can murmur dejectedly because I have to do housework, or I can appreciate the fact that I have a house to clean. Today stretches ahead of me, waiting to be shaped, and here I am, the sculptor who gets to do the shaping. What today will be like is up to me. I get to choose what kind of day I will have. Secondly, our attitudes determine our relationships with others. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you today that nothing will determine your relationships more than your attitude. I had this young lady. She came over to me one time. She said, Pastor Steve, she said, nobody wants to be around me. She goes, I have no friends in the church. She said, man, people just kind of avoid me. I said, I'm going to be honest with you. When you walk into the foyer, I run away from you too. She said, that's not nice. I said, I want to love you. I really do want to love you. But every time you walk into the church, there's a black cloud over you, and you are so consumed about you, you, you. It's all about me, me, me. Oh, oh, oh. And you whine and you complain. Because you don't have a good life. It's not fair. And you know what the truth is? When people see you, they run like the house is on fire. You know why? Because everybody's got problems in their life. Everybody's got struggles in their life. And we want to be loving to you. We want to be a loving and unconditional people. But the truth is, man, nobody wants to be around the negative person. No one wants to be around the person that's consumed with themselves. Listen to me. If you want to have friends, be friendly and learn how to smile and learn how to give to others. Be selfless and pour into other people. You have so many friends, you don't know what to do with them we're gonna practice right now are you ready practice with me right now smile i mean show me show me your teeth okay turn to your name right now say you look good come on you look good man i'm telling you what this young man one of the most handsome guys I've ever, look stand up right now look look at this guy this this guy is handsome you got a girlfriend you got a girlfriend He's, he's single. Anybody? Anybody? He's single. You know, I'm, I'm going to give you some homework to do right now. I'm going to give you homework. Write this down. I'm going to give you homework. Right? Here's your homework for the week. Everyone you meet this week, make them feel good. I mean, you get up tomorrow morning, you go to work, and you walk into work, and then you see your coworkers, and you say, hi. 
I thank God for you. You're a special person. And listen, after you pick them up off the floor and give them some oxygen because they can't believe it's you, I guarantee you when you start to treat people like you want to be treated, you'll have more friends than you know what to do with. Jesus said, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And how does self like to be loved? Oh, boy, oh, boy, we're secure, we're selfless, we're submissive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. Most Sundays, nobody really tells me that was a great sermon. You know what? I got over it a long time ago. I don't, I don't do it for you. I do it for him. I don't get my security in you and what you tell me. I know it was a good sermon. You know why? Because it's God's word. But I'll tell you what, somebody, somebody sends me a little message. Pastor Steve, I really tell Oh, yeah? Thank you so much. See, we all want to be encouraged. We all want somebody to tell us that we're special, we're important, that we made a difference in their life. And so I want to encourage you, your attitude will determine the people that will be surrounded by you and the people that you will be with. Let me tell you something. You got a bad attitude. Guess what? You're going to marry a person with a bad attitude. I get people come in my office all the time. We don't care. We can't get along together, you know. Because they both have bad attitudes. You change your attitude. Change your attitude towards your husband. Change your attitude towards your wife. Change your attitude towards the world. Change your attitude and begin to have a great attitude. And you'll see people, well, they'll come around you and you'll have friends. He who is friendly has many friends. Number three, often our attitude is the only difference between success and failure. David was a giant killer. His brothers were getting killed by the giant. Only difference was attitude. In fact, David was the smallest guy of all. Fourthly, our attitude at the beginning of a task will always affect the outcome more than anything else. Five, our attitude can turn our problems into blessings. Let me say that again. Your attitude will turn your problems into blessings. Listen to me. Look at me. Christians ought to be the most optimistic, joy-filled, happiest people in the world. I said again. Look, I know some of you like, if you can't say amen, say oh me. But listen, Christians ought to be the most joy-filled, optimistic people in the world. And the, why, and the reason why the world is not attracted to the church is because we don't believe what we're hearing. And we don't practice it in our attitude. Listen to me. Christians should be the most optimistic people in the world. Why? Because we have a God who knows us. We have a God who created us. We have a God who formed us in our mother's womb. We have a God who foreknew us. We have a God who, who predestined us. We have a God who chose us before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. We have a God who knows us in the deepest, darkest times of our life. We have a God who forgives us and keeps on forgiving us. We have a God who set us apart. We have a God who makes us the promise that no matter what's going on in our life, nothing shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus We've got a God that promises that all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We've got a God who said that I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where, you, that where I am, you might be also. And if God's been taking all this time to prepare my mansion, it's a great mansion. We've got a God who said when we die, we go face to face and be with Jesus Christ. We've got a God that says we win, we win, we win. We're not losers. He's going to finish the work that he started in us. We're winners! And we ought to be the most optimistic people on the face of the planet. 
Sixthly, our attitude can give us an uncommonly positive perspective in life. Your attitude always determines how you see things. And then our attitude is not automatically good just because we're a Christian. That's why Paul the Apostle says we've got to renew the attitude of our mind. Hmm? So as the worship team comes this afternoon, gives you hope that I'm finishing, I want to I I tell you that if you're going to be a winner, write this down, if you're going to be a winner, you've got to possess four kinds of attitudes. Ready? One, first one, you've got to have a teachable attitude. If you're going to be a winner, you've got to be a teachable person. You've got to recognize that God is always teaching. God is always speaking. Every situation in your life is another opportunity to learn something that God wants you to learn. When you go through the fire, he teaches you that you're not going to get burned. When you have to go through the valley, he teaches you that he walks with you and he never leaves you. When you face a difficult person, he teaches you how to have grace and love, unconditional love. When you face a hard test, he teaches you the things in your life that are inadequate so that you can be a winner. You see, every situation in your life becomes a learning lesson. You know, when I was um, a young pastor, I used to get all these notes from people, good notes and bad notes. I don't get the bad ones anymore. I guess people stop trying to change me. And, and I get these notes, and some of the notes would, would have you know, anonymous on the bottom. I just throw them away. I never read an anonymous note. Don't ever send me a note that doesn't have the name on the bottom. I'll tell you, because if you don't have the courage to do it the biblical way, then I'm not reading it. It's not worth my time. But there are times when I get a note from somebody who in love said, Pastor Steve, I want you to consider this. It, it was a negative note. Or, or sometimes it was just a downright nasty note. There was no consider I love you. It was like, and I take that note, listen to me, I take that note and put it in the drawer. I read it, reread it again, and put it in my drawer. And my wife said to me, why do you keep those negative notes? Because I told her, I can learn so much by those notes. Sometimes I, I, I've got to learn that I'm coming across a certain way. Sometimes I've got to learn that I've had a part in that breakup, in that, in that breakdown of communication, that breakdown of relationship. Sometimes i got to learn how to love people even though they're absolutely 100% wrong and trying to hurt me, but I can always learn something. You gotta have a teachable spirit. Young people, I'm gonna tell you, you wanna be a winner? Young man, you wanna be a winner? Stay teachable, stay teachable. Don't ever get to the point where you say you can't learn something that God's trying to teach you. And listen, he uses a donkey to teach you. He uses anything to teach you. You must possess a faith-filled, positive attitude. Paul said, have faith in God. When you have faith in God, you'll have a positive attitude. Not faith in yourself, but faith in God. In order to have a faithful attitude, you have to change the way you think, the way you see things, and the way you react to things. Number three, you need to possess a never-say-die attitude. Paul the Apostle, he tells us this. He says, not that I've already attained, not that I've already made it, but one thing I do, I forget what's behind me, and I press on. In other words, Paul the Apostle said, I've fallen. I've made mistakes. And listen to me, look at me right now. There's somebody in this room today, you're stuck in your past. There's somebody, look at me right now. There's somebody, you're stuck in your failures. You're stuck in your faults. You're stuck in the shortcomings of your life. Somebody's reminded you, you don't measure up. And you're stuck. Paul says, I forget what's behind. I don't get stuck. 
And when I get knocked down, I get back up again. One of my favorite theologians, love him. He's an incredible scholar. His name is Rocky Balboa. And he says, hey, I want you to know life will knock you down. But when it knocks you down, you got to get back up again. Hey, and you don't look so bad without them glasses either, yo, 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 Adrian. You got to get back up again. That's what I've learned. I think one of the most powerful examples of that is the 16th president of the United States. His name is Abraham Lincoln. 1816, Abraham Lincoln's family was forced out of their home. So as a young man, he had to work for the family. 1818, his mother died. 1831, he failed in business. 1832, he ran for state legislator. He lost. 1832, also lost his job. He wanted to go to law school, and he was denied, and he couldn't get in. 1833, he borrowed some money from a friend, began a business, and it ended a year later in bankruptcy. He spent the next 17 years paying off all the debt. 1834, he ran for state legislator again. He won. 1835, was engaged to be married to his sweetheart, and she died. He had a broken heart. 1836, he had Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president of the United States, had a nervous breakdown and was in bed for six months. 1838, sought to become the speaker of the state legislature, defeated. 1840, sought to become elector, defeated. 1843, ran for Congress, lost. 1846, ran for Congress again. This time he won, went to Washington and did a pretty good job. 1848, ran for re-election to Congress, lost. 1849, sought the job of land officer in his home state, rejected. 1854, ran for Senate, United States, lost. 1856, sought for the vice presidential nomination at his party's national convention, got less than 100 votes. 1858, ran for U.S. Senate again and again, lost again. 1860, uh, ran for the President of the United States, was elected the 16th President of the United States. Come on, somebody. He got knocked down and got back again. I'm here to tell you, you when you get knocked down, you got to get back up again. I'm so glad he didn't stay down because I might not be worshiping in the same room as you. I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that he had a never-die spirit. And lastly, if you're going to be a winner, I want you to stand on your feet right now. If you're going to be a winner, I want you to look at me. Young person, stand up right now. Come on. I want you to look at me right now. If you're going to be a winner, if you're going to have a winning attitude, then you've got to have, you got it, young man, you got it. You've got to have a grateful attitude. You've got to have an attitude of gratitude. You see, if you take the G and the R away from gratitude, what do you get? Attitude. And here's what Paul the Apostle said. Paul the Apostle said, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. I'm going to tell you right now, if you learn how to have a heart of gratitude, you know, in a few days, we're going to gather Wednesday night, Thanksgiving Eve, and then Thanksgiving on Thursday, Historically, Thanksgiving, that day, is a day that we're supposed to stop and we're supposed to readjust and remember how blessed we've been. And we're supposed to remember to give thanks to the Lord. My prayer for you today is on that day, even today, 
that you begin to say, no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to begin to make a list. I want you to, another homework assignment, I want you to make a list of five things that you're thankful for. And I better be on that list. Five things that you're thankful for. And just begin to thank the Lord. The Bible says you put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That we're to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks for the Lord for he is good. In all situations, give thanks to the Lord for this is the will of God concerning you. Someone once said adopting a, a gratitude practice takes you out of a problem and toward the solution. It removes you from complaining mode into the best outcome mindset. That's a skill you need in life and in your business and decision making. Whole companies and industries have been created from seeing solutions where others saw obstacles. What will you contribute? See, gratitude is contagious. Being thankful will change your entire life. I want to pray for you right now. Bow your heads. Would you please bow your heads? So I want to ask you this question. Do you need an attitude adjustment today? Don't blow me off, young person. Don't blow me off. Do you need an attitude adjustment today? Have you found yourself complaining lately? Have you been turning bad things into good things? Have you been thankful lately? Have you found yourself comparing yourself to other people in life? Do you have that same attitude that Jesus had? Selfless, secure, and submissive. Which attitude do you struggle with? The attitude of being teachable, faith-filled, never say die, or a grateful attitude? I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I pray that you give us the same attitude that Jesus had, Lord. Lord, give us a winning attitude. I pray for every young person in this room, Lord. I pray for every person in this room, no matter where they find themselves in life. Would you give them a teachable, never say die, gratitude, so that they might see, Lord, that they're winners and they can't lose. Maybe you're here today, you say, Pastor, I, I want to have that kind of attitude in my life. No matter what happens, I want you to just raise your hands as high as you can. I want to have a winning attitude. Come on. I want to have a winning attitude. Raise your hands as high as you can. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Thank you, God. Let me hear you. Thank you, God, that I'm a winner. That I'm a child of God. And I can't lose. Help me today by the power of your spirit to have a winning attitude. I'm a world changer, one day at a time. Thank you, God, that you love me just the way I am. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.